Maybe it was my mask. All right, so uh, excited to, uh, we're going to wrap up this series on uh, trusting in God's story today. So um, just as you know, over the last few months, we've been looking at the first two books of the Bible, Genesis and Exodus, and we've um, been exploring the idea of what it means to trust in God's story. And it's taken us on quite the journey, uh, especially when we read the Scriptures and we understand that the Bible is not about us, it's actually about God and His plan. And uh, God has a story, uh, and He has not only planned that story, but He's playing out that story. He's executing that story uh, according to plan. And the central figure in the story is none other than Jesus Christ. So uh, we need to make sure that we understand that fully. Uh, and of course, the story's not over, right? Uh, and uh, this morning we're going to, uh, but we are going to wrap up our series, uh, and it's going to lead us to a familiar passage that's intended to bring us hope uh, and guidance for our future within God's story. So in order to see that, we're going to fast forward to uh, the book of Jeremiah. Um, and so, in order for us to do this, I want to take just a, a quick moment to, to move us from, um, the, uh, uh, from the exodus to the exile, where we end up in Jeremiah in our passage today. So, um, from the ten, giving of the Ten Commandments to the time of Jeremiah, here's some of the things that, that happened, okay? So, after the Israelites' exodus from Egypt, they wander around in the desert for 40 years, They're led by Moses and saw God provide for them in extraordinary ways. You know, things like causing water to come out out of a rock and uh, God to rain manna down from heaven that would feed and provide them. That's pretty cool. Uh, And then after their 40-year stint in the wilderness, they cross the Jordan River and enter into the promised land. Moses passes away and Joshua becomes the leader of a military campaign in which the Israelites will retake the promised land. And once they begin to get settled in the promised land, the Israelites ask God for a king, okay, in which God is not happy about that because God is their king, okay? But he gives them what they want, and he gives them uh, a man named Saul to become the first king of Israel. Saul, however, is not a very good king, If you've read your Old Testament, you know that. He's not a very good leader, and he's quickly replaced by King David, God's chosen uh, king to rule over Israel. King David stabilizes the country and puts Israel back on the map as a great and powerful nation. But after David dies, his son Solomon becomes king. Solomon does an okay job leading the country, but uh, he he does get the temple built which uh, is very influential, very important. But he has some serious moral flaws. And uh, after he dies, the nation of Israel is back to its old ways of turning away from God and worshiping false idols. The nation deteriorates, and it's basically dismantled by a long line of very poor uh, kings. And eventually, the kingdom of Israel is divided into two, uh, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. So the divided nation is in such peril that it cannot defend itself from its surrounding nations. And Israel, excuse me, Assyria and Babylon take advantage of this time 
they attack Israel and Judah. They swoop in, haul off the Israelites into exile. This whole process from the exodus to the exile takes about 850 years and brings us to the time of Jeremiah and the passage that we're going to read this morning. So I'm not going to read the entire chapter of, chap- of Jeremiah 29, uh, but I am going to walk you through it uh, by hitting on a few key verses that we're going to talk about today. So these are the words <clears throat> from the book of Jeremiah. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we look at your word this morning and the words of the prophet Jeremiah and how encouraging they must have been to the people living in exile. Lord, we we pray that these same words will be encouraging to us today to not give up, but to forge ahead, to, to, to not despair of our current situation, but to know that you have a plan and we can trust this plan of yours. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if there's one thing that we've learned in this series is that God can be trusted with his plan, with his story, because uh, it's unique. It's a unique story. It's a unique plan because it shows us the flow of redemption in history. And the flow from our perspective today has a past, it has a present, and it has a future. And that's how I want us to see things this morning uh, and be challenged to see how God's plan for us has a past, a present, and a future. And so I want us to start with the Israelites in Jeremiah 29. Now, um, I, I, just, just a quick side note. I'm going to ask a lot of questions today, okay? And you're going to be like, I need to write all these questions down. You don't have to write. You can write them down. You can try to write them down if you want. But uh, if you want to just email me, then I'll send you all these questions, 
okay? So Fletch at springrunpc.org. You can email me, and I'll send you a copy of all these questions because I think they're important. I think this could be a great time for all of us to, to, uh, to hit the pause button and what's going on and, and begin to sort of take stock and, and review where things are and where things uh, could go for us, uh, not just individually and with our families, but as a church as well. So, uh, but I do kind of want to follow the flow of Jeremiah 29 because I think it's important for us to understand our lives in light of the biblical story as well. So, where the first question is this to look at the past where have the Israelites been? Okay, well, I just recounted all that. Okay, so I don't need to go, I just recounted from the Exodus to the exile where they have been. And uh, they've had some good times and some bad times. But what has been constant about their time is God's presence in their lives. God never abandoned the Israelites. He showed them steadfast love and faithfulness through his promise of his covenant. And so when the Israelites sit in exile, they can look back and see the provision and long-suffering of God. Because they, they would turn from God on a dime and he would come back and forgive them and draw them back to himself. It's an amazing story of, of his provision and long-suffering. And so the question for us is where have you been? Where has the, if you look to your past, where have you been? When you look back over the past in your life, what do you see? What picture is painted there? So here are some questions to ask yourself, and I think these questions are important to ask and to see from the perspective of the fact that God has a plan for you. So if we know that God has a plan for our lives, just as he had one for the Israelites, and actually, if we were really to get into our biblical theology, we'd understand that our plan today right now is part of that plan, okay? Um, But we do also have our own specific sort of plan that God's working in and through us. Where have you been? What picture has been painted? Here's some questions for you to think about. What are some significant events that have happened in your life? Physically, have you suffered from a physical ailment? Have you struggled with how you look? Um, I remember when I, uh, three days before I started my junior year in high school, okay, so high school's a big, you know, you want to, you know, not necessarily I wasn't looking to be popular, but, you know, you want to be liked and so forth. You want to be known and, and have friends and so forth. Three days before my, um, I started my junior year, uh, I had a bicycle accident and broke my collarbone. And what happened was I had to wear this, it wasn't a cast, it was like this uh, brace, and it made my chest stick out like this. And so the first day of school, I'm walking around school like this. You know, I'm like, that's not who I am, you know, and it was really, really tough. But I remember that. It was very significant. Also, it kept me from trying out for the golf team, uh, so I couldn't make the golf team. Anyway, um, significant events in your life. Emotionally, have you struggled with depression or anxiety? Have you had a breakdown in the past? Or maybe you have a resilient emotional capacity, and this has helped you get through life so far. How about places that you've lived? What was the environment like where you grew up? What part of the country did you grow up in and how did that affect you? Uh, maybe you're 
from a different country or you visited a different country. I think of, you know, our friend Kaz who grew up in Malawi and now lives here in the United States. That's part of God's plan and his story for him and it shaped him and continues to shape him. How about personal experiences that you've had? Um, Again, when I was six years old, my house burned down. That's a pretty significant personal experience that I had, and it shaped me, but it was part of God's plan. I I go back and I see God's plan in His hand in bringing my mother to the Lord through that process, and eventually her sharing the faith with her her two boys, my brother and I, um, and, and forcing me to go to Young Life which I didn't even know what it was back then. And uh, I loved it, and and the Lord used that in in mighty ways. Maybe you were in a serious car accident, or how about job changes over the years? How have you seen God's plan play out in your personal experiences? Those are really important. How about significant people in your life? How was your family growing up? Was it stable? Um, Was it dysfunctional? Was it happy? Was it safe? What kind of friends did you have? in your life as you grew up? Um, how did they influence you? Did you have any mentors or teachers or coaches who had an impact on you? I can, I, you know, to this day, I've, you, you guys will always, you'll, you'll hear me say uh, the, the name Robert Hayward a lot in, in, in my sermons and so forth, in my teaching, because this man had a tremendous influence on my life the first eight years of, of ministry. Uh, he took care of me so well and uh, mentored me along. Um, friends uh, that I still have, Rich Darginio and Casey Dunn, have mentored me along. Andrew and I have been working side by side for the past 13 years. This, we have influential relationship there, significant people in your life. And also as you look in, into the past and ask the question about where you've been, of course, your spiritual journey. Um, what other influences have you had uh, in your spiritual journey um, that have brought you to this particular place to worship in this room right here today? What has brought you here? When did you become a Christian, if you are one? What are the events that, or who were the people surrounding your conversion and influenced you early on? Again, um, just like... um, we heard this morning about Amelia Young Life. I had a small group of friends that were really influential for me in high school and, and, and discipled me along. It was very impactful in my spiritual journey. We memorized scripture together. We took our friends to camp together. We, um, we tried to grow in Christ together. It was really exciting. What were some beliefs that you had? What things have happened in your life that are undeniably an act of God? Like the Lord giving me my wife. <laughs> like, who knows where I'd be right now without Julie? I have no idea. Probably in a gutter somewhere is what I always say. So, um, what are some key things that you have learned so far and ways in which you've seen God do miraculous things in your life? These are important for us to look back on and review and think about. So, when you sit back and take a look at your past, what do you see? Do you see the hand of God? Do you see his plan so far? I hope so. And I know that not all of us, uh, not all of what has happened to us in our past makes perfect sense right now. 
but it's a starting point to begin to look back. But then there's also the present. And so where are the Israelites now, like in according to this particular passage in Jeremiah? What, were, what was going on with them? Well, currently some of them were exiles in Babylon. That's where they were. That's where Jeremiah was, who he was talking to, he w- who he was giving his prophetic uh, message to, were the exiles in Babylon. They're living in a foreign country, being ruled and controlled uh, by someone that they did not choose for themselves. But what does God tell Jeremiah to tell them to do? Let's go back to verses 4 through 7. This is very interesting. So remember, the, they are exiles in a foreign land being oppressed. <clears throat> and this is what God says. Thus says the Lord of God of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from, Babylon, from, from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now, we don't have time to go into the phrase, whom I have sent. But think about that, because that reveals part of God's plan in his story for them. Verse 5. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. So what does God tell him? He says, go ahead, settle there. Build your houses, plant your gardens, have families and multiply. Seek the welfare of the city of where you live to the exiles. God is saying this, go and flourish there. Flourish there, where you are in your current situation, even though it's not the best of circumstances. It was definitely not the best of circumstances for the Israelites in exile. But for now, know that this is the situation that God has you in, the circumstance that's part of his plan for your life. Don't waste it. Take advantage of it, he says. And so we have to do the same. We have to look and ask the question, where are you now? Where am I now? What is your current situation and circumstance? Is it difficult? Are you in a season of fruitfulness? You know, we, we are all, you know, we, I was talking about this last night with Molly and, and Julie last night. Like, you know, the, the COVID thing, not to beat it to death, but it, it, it's just created a, a mental fatigue that affects everyone, hasn't it? And it's hard. You know, like, we have to think about when someone reaches out their hand to shake your hand, am I going to do it? What if I don't do it? it? We're wearing masks all the time. Do I have my mask on? Like, we, everywhere we go, every thought that we have, <clears throat> I just coughed. Oh no, do I have COVID? Like, it's just the, this constant mental fatigue that's, that's bearing down on us. And it's hard. It's been really, really difficult. But at the same time, I, I would say like, my life is, is full of blessing as well, right? And, and you know, I do. I have a, an, an awesome wife and family and kids. My kids are all 
flourishing and doing well. I have a, a great job here at the church. Our staff gets along great. Like, it, it, it's, I'm blessed. But then there's this, this circumstance of this sort of mental fatigue that sort of hangs there, at least for me. And I, and I hope that we're, we're slowly coming out of it. But it's still there, and, and that's our circumstance. That's what I'm trying to say, is that's our circumstance now. And we need to know, all right, that's car, part of God's plan. Okay? Here's some other questions to ask yourself, maybe in a, in a different light. What are, what are you most excited about right now? What are some key struggles that you're facing? What, uh, how are you feeling physically or emotionally right now? What significant relationships are you currently in? Are your relationships healthy? Do they need work? Uh, what consumes most of your thought right now, your thought life right now? What consumes most of your time? What is one area of your life you feel God is really working on right now, currently? How would you describe your relationship with Christ? Is it cold? Is it distant? Is it hot? Is it intimate? Is it irregular? Is it passionate? How would you describe that? What has God been teaching you in the Scriptures lately? What sin, this is a great one. What sins have you been repenting of lately? That's something to think about. How's God convicting you and causing you to, and forcing you to the cross to see His, His grace and mercy there? You see, God wants you to flourish in your current situation right now. He wants us to flourish. He does not want us to be stagnant or to sit around and wait for the next thing to happen. Right? Remember the phrase, two weeks to flatten the curve. Wow. That was a year ago. Come on, you know? Like, we can't just sit around and wait for this to be over. We can start flourishing now. We can start creating spiritual habits now that help develop our relationship with the Lord. Personal habits now that are going to help us thrive. Relationships that need to be restored and reconciled now. Plant that garden you've always talked about. Seek the welfare of others. I love what this passage says about this. Because this is what I feel like we kind of do as a church and as a community of believers here in Midlothian is seeking the welfare of others. Go ahead and reach out to the neighbor you know is lonely and needs help. So seeking means going out and searching, finding ways. Be creative in how we try to make this a better place to live. God wants you to thrive. He wants you to see His creation at its best. And He's going to use us to do that, to to cause His creation to be at its best. You know, we often say that the storyline of the Bible is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. That's an easy way to sort of see the whole storyline of the Bible in four words. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And we tend to think that the restoration part will come at the end when God makes all things new, when when Jesus comes back again. But actually, the restoration part starts now, okay? Because Jesus has come. He's already begun to make 
old things new. He's already caused people to be born again and start a new life. Everything you do in the name of Christ, every person you reconcile with, every plant and blade of grass that you garden is part of the restoration process. Don't wait to be empty nesters. It it may not happen as quickly as you think. Um, Don't wait till you retire or get a new job or have a baby or whatever. Don't wait. Start flourishing now. Do it now. So the first two questions, main questions that we, we asked, dealt with the past and the present. So the last, of course, is the future. So from our passage in Jeremiah, we asked this. Where are the Israelites going? What will be their future? So let me read verses 10 to 14. Here's what God says about their future. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and I will come and excuse me. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. You know, I think this is where, obviously, verse 11 stands out, right? Everyone's heard verse 11 before. We quote it a lot, that God has a plan for us to give us a hope and a future. And here's the thing, though. It's not just about the future, okay? Verse 11 is saying, look, I have a plan. Look at what I've done and look at what I am doing and then look ahead to what I will do. And it's a plan. It's God's plan. It's a really good plan. It's actually a perfect plan. And I want us to understand that the future is closer than we think. Because the future is not just years away, but it's also now. The future starts now because it's the next hour, it's the next day, it's the next week, the next month. The future starts now. It's kind of where the present and the future, our current situation and the future get meddled, uh, melded together. And so, yes, we know that one day we will physically die and be with the Lord and Jesus will come back again. And that we'll live in that eternal state of glory. Uh, But we also know that we have a future here and now as well. And either way, God calls us to act. And what does God call the Israelites to do? And what does he want us to do? I find this fascinating. He says to the Israelites, not only is it fascinating that that he calls them to seek the welfare of the city of where they're exiled, those, those enemies that hauled them off into exile. But he also says this, call upon him, call upon God, come and pray to him and seek him with all your heart. It's really simple of what God asks us to do, isn't it? He says, call upon me, pray to me, seek me with all your heart. 
So when we do these things, we're, we're part of executing God's plan. We always know that whatever the circumstances, whatever the place we find ourselves in, we need to at least do those things, right? And here's some other questions to keep us moving forward toward the future. Where do you want to go? What do you need to be believing? What do you need to be doing? What do you dream about doing? Where do you want to see your family relationships go? Do you need right now rest and renewal? Is that what you need uh, going forward? How do you want to see your spiritual life transformed? Do you want it to go deeper and more intimate with the Savior? Do you want it to go wider with a greater knowledge of who Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are? Is it more active faith that you are hoping to see in the future and how you can use your God-given talents to serve others? What does your spiritual life need? Is it more Bible understanding? Is it more repentance of sin? Is it an outlet to serve and use your gifts? Is it a better understanding of your identity in Christ? A deeper understanding of grace? You know, when I was in seminary, uh, you'd think I would understand grace, but it took, you know, a good, you know, two years for them to teach me about what justification by faith really meant and for me to understand that I was fully and dearly loved by God, not based on what I did or whether or not I had my quiet time, but it was solely based on the work of Jesus. Transform my life. Do you need someone else to disciple you? Is that what you need going forward? You might even see something about discipleship coming up in the next few months. As you uh, answer all of these questions, don't forget to keep these things in mind, what God calls us to, to call upon Him, to come and pray to Him, and to seek Him with all your heart. So ultimately, we may not know exactly what God's plan is in detail, but we do know that He calls us to walk with Him to seek Him with all our heart, to love Him, and to love others around us. So think about who was hearing this message when Jeremiah spoke these words. They were people living in exile. All ages of people. Jeremiah says they will return from exile in 70 years. What if you were 50 years old and hearing this message? And you knew... I ain't going to make it 70 years. I'm not going to see the the daylight of exile, of, of returning from exile. So what would you do? Are the promises of Jeremiah 29 for, were they for those people? Are they for us today? They're for everyone. Even us. Even those who would not get to experience returning to their earthly homeland, they would get the promise because one day they would return to their heavenly homeland. And we who stand before God right now, at this particular time and place, in these particular circumstances, are given the promises of Jeremiah 29, which says, For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. God has a plan. 
and together as a family of God. Let's trust in His plan, His story. We won't be disappointed. We will flourish together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You've graciously put us, involved us in Your plan, Your story. We didn't have to be a part of it. We're not driving the story. But You've chosen us to be a part of it. You've chosen to use us to glorify You in all that we say and do and think. And as we do that, You will cause us to flourish. You've called us to flourish. Let us take advantage of Your plan and Your story to bless us, to live in Your grace and Your mercy as we fail and falter and stumble every day. Yet we know we have a God who is already forgiven us in Jesus. A God whom we can come back to every day, knowing that You have Your arms wide open to embrace us and to give us a hope and a future. So we thank You for that, Lord. And we we worship You alone today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.